0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talking Next. I'll be your host this evening. This is Greg. Jake is incapacitated somewhere. His words, not mine. I'm joined by my brother, Kenny,
1: and my good friend, Tom. How are you boys doing? Kenny, we'll start with you. Go. I'm doing good. I uh, didn't go to work this last week, which was great. And then, you know, before I even knew um that today was a national holiday like i booked that vacation so i got an extra day at the end of the vacation which was nice but yeah i went and saw saw jake in colorado during that vacation and he said that a couple other of our friends are coming up to go skiing with him and his girlfriend so that's where he is skiing
0: nice and that extra day off will make it that much harder to go back to work how about you how are you you doing i'm pretty good let's talk nick's
1: the New York Knicks select Kristaps Porzingis. To toes up and stuffing again, igniting and exciting the guard crowd.
0: Wow! Boom, 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 boom,
2: boom, 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 all right, now Greg, I lied. I'm not that good. My my heat <laughs> was, my heat was broken, broken all day today on the coldest day of the year. I don't know if that's just bad luck or what, but uh, I was basically just bundled up in a winter coat and scarf and mittens for the entire day in my home. Uh was not, not very productive, but I, I got to watch the, the Knicks play a little hoops and uh, and talk to you guys. So th- those are the two highlights of my day.
1: All That's right. sad that <clears throat> watching that Knicks game was one of the highlights of your day. You're telling me. All right, I'm
0: doing well too. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for asking. This weekend I... Me and my other siblings threw a surprise party for our friend Kenny here, who who turned 30. Hey. hey,
1: Least,
0: least surprising surprise party ever. Uh, while Kenny was on his plane to Denver, I texted Robbie, Mandy, and Kenny, my other two siblings and Kenny, and I said, what should we tell Kenny about Saturday? And then I, I realized what I'd done, and I immediately just said, LOL, in the group chat. So if it. So my question is, Kenny, did you know something was up based on
2: that first text, or was it the LOL that gave it away?
1: So I saw them all at the same time because I got off the plane. So like, it's impossible to say, but I think that first text kind of gave it away. But uh, I talked to, to Dave's wife, Tom's twin brother's wife, uh, and she said you played it, played it off pretty well in the, the secret group that you guys were texting in and said, as long as I'm the dumbest person in the world, the surprise is still on. It's true. Which she appreciated. I will say, you were quite surprised. I was. So what does that say about me? No, you you were not surprised at all. Um, I will say, I was surprised at a couple of the attendants. Uh, Tim McGovern, friend of the program, big Knicks fan, he was there. And uh, our neighbor, Kevin Kett, was there. Uninvited. Uninvited. Mostly to see me, but I guess he also has some other stuff going on there.
0: Yeah, he's also a fan of the program, I assume. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Let's talk Knicks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they already if the theme song will have already played by now. Or if they're going to listen to it again, or I assume this will be in it too. But anyway, the Knicks. Let's talk about them. two games this week. We we uh, we didn't. We didn't do the pod last night, so we got an extra game in today on Martin Luther King Day. Happy Martin Luther King Day, everybody. Uh, So first game, Knicks went to London, so that's why they only had one game during the week. Went to London for a bad experience. So the Knicks are winning this game uh, the entire time until the fourth quarter, and then epic collapse, or I mean, I guess it's just a, a normal collapse in Knicks' world. And they lose the game on a game-losing goaltend. Never before done. Nick's hitting rock bottom. Kenny, you, you weren't at work, so you saw some of this game. I didn't see any of it. I, I just heard about
1: it. So you, you give us what you got. So I saw the majority of this game uh, because I was, I was at our, our sister Mandy's house. Um, unfortunately, her two-year-old son was watching Mama Mia using the television, so I was watching on my phone. But – Still got the gist of it. Um, Like Greg said, the Knicks were up, you know, most of the game and were up large for for portions of the game, um, well over double digits. And uh, then uh, it was nap time in the house, so everyone took a nap, and I kind of fell along with that for, I don't know, like one quarter. And in that one quarter, the Knicks gave up their entire lead. Um, And then I watched the fourth quarter, which was – It was a tight quarter, pretty back and forth. The Knicks then took the lead, and then they had this ridiculous goaltend. And I think uh, we talked about it a little bit um, amongst ourselves that, first off, I don't know what they were doing with rotations. Like, maybe if you're up one with, I think it was like five seconds left, Maybe you put in Mitchell Robinson to play some defense at the rim. Maybe you put in Frank Nilekina to play some defense uh, on the perimeter. Uh, But neither of those two things happened, which wasn't ideal. Um, It looked like when the shot went up, I think it was Moutier, might have gotten a piece of it. Not sure if the shot would have gone in anyways. It wasn't really clear from any of the camera angles. But uh, that doesn't matter because um, Alonzo Trier, hit it on the way down for a game-losing goaltend, which was pretty bad. Pretty bad. It's, it's a tough
2: break, Kenny. And, like, I I watched through the first three quarters, saw the Knicks were up 12, and I was like, this game is over. So I flipped on Mamma Mia myself. <laughs> and I was like I, – I checked the score, like, halfway through, and I, I was shocked to see – I shouldn't have been shocked, but the Wizards and, and made their comeback – Um it was it was just so, so nixy. It was, it's tough to stomach. But at the same time, there's a, a huge portion of the fan base that is thrilled that they lost this game because it continues the tank.
0: All right, and one thing I'll say. You said they're up 12. <clears throat> to start the fourth quarter, they're up 89-77. That's, that's the twelve I'm talking about. And after 8 minutes and 45 seconds... The score was 91 to 94. The Knicks had scored two points in eight minutes and 45 seconds. And we're now losing by three. <clears throat> what do you guys think about scoring two points in eight
1: minutes and 45 seconds? Yeah, that's not ideal. Um, you definitely want to score more than two points over an eight, eight minute period. And uh, let me, for, for perspective on uh, all the basketball I watched this week, uh, during my vacation, I went to Miami. I watched the Miami Heat. Game, um, play against. Don't remember who it was, but that was a pretty good game. And then I went. <laughs> you then I went go and watch too many Miami Heat games. The Memphis Grizzlies, I believe. Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and I, I might come back to that because there was a couple, couple cool things that that happened there. Um, but then I also, when I went to Denver, Jake and I went and watched Denver play Golden State, and uh, Golden State scor- scored fifty-one points in the first quarter of that game. And if you contrast, compare that with, uh, you know, the Knicks scoring two points over an eight-minute span in a quarter, like, that's why they're better than us.
0: Imagine, if, my opinion. imagine if they were playing each other. Yeah. It
1: was 51-2. to two. Yeah. That'd be bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, th- I think I've, I've been saying it, and I've been, been thinking it all season. Like, I, I feel as though, you know, Fisdale has – put a much bigger emphasis and he seems to appreciate players who play offensively much more than he appreciates the players that play defensively. And, you know, the problem with that is the Knicks players aren't that good offensively that, you know, they can just completely ignore defense because, you know, occasionally you'll you'll get a quarter where you go out and don't score until there's, you know, four minutes left in the quarter.
2: Yeah, the other problem is that basketball, you have to play both sides, it's not like football where you can specialize. You're on the court and you have to play defense and offense and the Knicks don't have a lot of guys that can do that.
1: Yep. Not ideal. Yeah.
0: I mean let's 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 hop off. I mean anything else to say about the Wizards game is is bad. But the Thunder game was worse. How about that? So, I turned on the Thunder game a- today, was watching it. Knicks just losing by 22 in the first quarter. Uh, I think they got it down to like 13 or low low teens a couple times, but it was never close again. So, <clears throat> just a terrible experience, you know. You want to watch the Knicks and have fun, but they they just start the, the game losing by 20, and then you're like, I'm going to watch the rest of this game, I, I, I
1: guess. I don't know. But
0: anyway, now go for
1: it. What do you got? I think so. I think there were. I mean, there were a couple, a couple bright spots. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. had a efficient scoring night, scoring 23 points on 14 shots, seven of 14 from the field, four of nine from from three. Um, Alonzo Trier, or uh, as Tom learned from Jonathan Macri, Trier, which is what Jake's been saying, and I've been questioning this entire time, but apparently that's how his mom pronounces it. So. Maybe we'll go with that. Um, he he scored 16 points on eight shots, uh, ten of ten from free throw line, and with eight assists and six rebounds, which is which is pretty good for him. And then uh, Frank Nilakina, my boy, uh, had a had a very good game, you know, all around. He didn't shoot it particularly well based on the box score; he was four for 12. But he was aggressive. He had some nice moves. He made a couple nice floaters. Um, scored 11 points. Had five assists and he played some very nice defensive possessions he had one against Paul George um, what two against Russell Westbrook and one against Dennis Schroeder where he just you know completely prevented them from doing anything that they wanted to do Um, and that's something that's really cool to see we saw that a lot last year we saw the highlights with him against you know Kyrie Irving and James Harden and uh, we haven't seen as much of it this year so to see it you know Four or five times in one game was uh, was I think a very exciting thing for me personally, as I'm a I'm both a Frank guy and I'm a defense guy. So it was Man, it was nice to see.
2: Frank fans are the best because they're the only ones who will get pumped over a defensive highlight, not like a block or a steal, but just sound fundamental defensive slides for twelve seconds and just get amped about that. It's like the James Harden step back for Frank fans.
1: Yeah, and like that's the thing because none of that shows up in a box score. Like there legitimately there were at least four possessions where he played great defense on whoever he was guarding for a possession. And like that changes games and you know no one can see that in the in the box score cuz it doesn't result in a steal or anything.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. highlight worthy defense there. I will I just want to nitpick one thing. I watched Alonzo Trier's eight assists. Um, NBA.com lets you just go back and watch them all in a row. And I would only – I mean, some of those are just straight up – he th- would throw a pass to the perimeter. And a couple times Frank just beat his guy one-on-one and they called it a Trier assist. I'd say like three of those eight were good passes, which is still a lot for, Tri- for Trier. But uh, eight so, is a little misleading in my opinion.
1: But, Tom, I mean, we – We can't, you know, beggars can't be choosers. At this point, as long as the Knicks are getting assists, I'm happy. Um, I was saying that for years about Rajon Rondo, is that I think his his assists were inflated because he had Ray Allen, uh, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce just catching and shooting. But, you know, an assist and assist. So we got to take it, man.
0: I mean, it doesn't sound like this was just catching and shooting. This was just catching and then doing your own thing and then scoring. But I'll take it. I'll take it. I don't
2: care. Greg's characterization is the correct one there. <laughs> was, it was like passing into an isolation and getting credit for, like, someone else's good move. But, I mean, yeah, beggars can't be choosers, like Kenny said. Um, yeah. And, and frankly, I will frankly, finish the five assists, so I'm going to check those out real quick. I'm going to be on mute for a moment.
0: And to talk about a couple of those assists, alley-oops to Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson back. He's been gone for a while. Came back. For the first time this week, played against the Wizards, played against the Thunder today. A little rusty. He looked good, but, I mean, he fouled out in 16 16. minutes today, which is not great. But he had eight points on 4-for-4 shooting and six rebounds. That's that's pretty good. Two blocks as well. So, Kenny, what
1: what are you thinking? You can go back to the assist if that's what you're still on. No, so uh, sticking with Mitchell Robinson for a second, uh, both of his blocks, he did what he does with blocks, and he kept them both in play, and I think the, the Knicks ended up with a ball. I know one of them he blocked to Dotson, uh, led to a fast break. I don't recall the result of that fast break, but you know that's that's a very valuable skill, and like you said, a little bit rusty, so that might kind of account a little bit for how quickly he fouled out. I mean, he's been fouled prone the entire season, but – fouling out in 16 minutes is is pretty quick, so maybe he's just about getting your timing back and getting back to full speed. So not worried about him, uh, about those fouls, and I, I think he had a solid game. So when I was listening to the game,
0: Mike Breen was saying, with Mitchell Robinson back, Enos Cantor is kind of the third center. So what do you think of that? Is that true? Is Cornette going back to the bench eventually and Robinson going into the starting lineup? What's going
1: on here? Are they going to play all three of them? I don't know. So it's tough with centers. That brings me back to kind of a something I mentioned to you guys is at halftime the they interview the coaching staff and they said the coaching staff said what they really need to focus on this quarter uh, is defense because their defense hasn't been good this game, uh, obviously, and then to start the third quarter they. Brought in Enis Cantor, which I was like, he's legitimately one of the worst defensive players in the game. So you, what you're saying and what you're doing don't add up, which yeah. was was a little frustrating. But um, I don't I don't know that I saw Cornette play at all in the in yeah, the they, second half. They said he sprained his ankle and he was okay. Out. All right, so that maybe that's why or that's why Cantor took over. So forget everything I just said. But still, yeah, we, you, could, you could have started Robinson. Though.
2: It, well, it does it does seem like Cantor's going to be the odd man out here. Um, and it seems like he and Fisdale have had maybe a conversation about it. I know ESPN's Ian Begley just reported about an hour ago that Cantor's disappointed with his role. So his quote was, I was very disappointed. There was nothing to be happy about, so I'm not happy. And I definitely don't agree with the decision, of course. So he's already like... I mean, he said a few things to the media about his his uh, discontent with uh, Fizdale's role for him in the offense. And so I'm thinking it's time to just move on, find some, find some expiring salary and just get rid of this guy. Maybe some team thinks that Cantor can help them in the playoffs. Uh, but either way, I, I'm, I wouldn't even be looking for an asset in return. I know there's been some talk of like, can't canter for an expiring in a second round pick, but really just Cantor for an expiring just to get him out of the rotation would be would it would do the trick for me. Yeah, yeah. The thing is,
1: I think I would rather, you know, trade canter for nothing maybe just because I'm worried about the Knicks bringing in another person to uh, compete for a backcourt spot. No, normally you wouldn't do that but like the way that the knicks are assembled they just have a lot of people on the backcourt and no one in the frontcourt um so i i don't even know that i want anything for him just get rid of him right
0: hey why not if, uh, if we're going to be playing Cornette and robinson that's good <clears throat> isaiah hicks had barely apparently been hooping in the in the g league put up 27 last game um so he'll be up eventually i'm sure and and you know.
2: Vonley, Vonley can play some like third string center minutes. That's um, true,
1: if need be. Vonley, our best player, unfortunately. So I think, and I mean, I think what they're what they're probably going to end up looking to do is getting another one of these second chance guys. Um, I know that there's been rumors about the Knicks potentially looking at Jabari Parker, which maybe works a little better, but still, like I want this team to develop some offensive cohesion rather than having you know five guys on this team that I'll go ISO. Where did you read the Jabari Parker thing? I haven't heard that. I uh, saw that on Reddit, that there was rumors that the Knicks had, um, and, you know, take it take it as with a grain of salt just because I haven't heard it from Woj, which is the only trustworthy source in the NBA. Um, but they said that, like, the Knicks had, had kicked the tires on, you know, starting a discussion about Jabari Parker. Not that it's made it anywhere, but they have inquired about it.
0: All right. I know they were talking about Zach Randolph in, in some capacity at the Kings, but, again, you'd, you'd still need some more money to make it, make it work. Maybe you throw in Trey Burke. He's got a very low salary, and you could mix and match with some other people. It's all, it's all going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Trade deadline's February 7th, so hopefully some fireworks start going off. Do you guys expect the Knicks to be very active? I expect something. I don't I don't know. I I would just assume that that they're going to grab a second round pick from someone. I don't I don't think they're going to get any player that they like, really. But well, I think uh, I think they're just going to try to grab an asset that you can attach to Courtney Lee at a later date. Okay, yeah, that's what I, I was
2: think, wondering is like do you think they'll be that they're going to try and get off of THJ or Courtney Lee or Lance Thomas?
1: Yeah, so I think they're they're going to try to, but I think they have to do something else. Like they they just have to clear up the backcourt. Um I don't even think that and I don't know if he's injured or or what the deal is, but I don't even, even think Trey Burke was on today's game roster. Um and Lance Thomas and Courtney Lee, the two veterans, neither of them saw the floor uh in coach's decisions, which, you know, is a part of their their development move. So, you know, I think at some point they're just going to need to to make some moves either way, but yeah, they're I think um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be hard to move. His contract is going to be very hard to move. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think other guys they might have a have an easier time um, unloading.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking that. I'm thinking that everybody's going to all the big contracts are going to stick on the team until the off season, and then it'll be easier to move them when everyone has has their cap space and just figuring out what they're doing. Maybe people- they'll,
2: be, they'll be expiring come the summer.
0: Yeah, exactly. At least Lance and
1: Courtney Lee will. Lance
2: and Courtney Lee, right.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: yeah. So if I, if I could jump in for just one second, with, what I was going to say earlier on the assists is um, I think Tom noted that maybe some of the assists were, were questionable. Um, and, it, and something that – Something very random that just bothered me a little bit is afterwards uh, someone during the press conference asked David Fizdale about you know how the second unit played and specifically he asked him um, about Frank after saying, you know what did you, what did you think of the, the second unit and how they did and you know how Frank did. And uh, Fizdale's response was to just say that you know Alonzo Trier had a good game and had eight assists, which was was good for a guy like him and he didn't really even address Frank. Now I don't know if there's anything there, um, just because maybe he like got part of the answer out and then didn't really um remember that at the beginning of the question he was asked specifically about Frank. But it bothered me a little bit that he wasn't more you know appreciative of of how good Frank's game was, at least outwardly. <clears throat> outwardly.
2: Yeah, that's kind of been the story of the of the season a little bit, is is maybe Fizdale underrating or underestimating frank's value thinking that mudier is a i mean mudier probably today is a he's certainly a better offensive player than frank there's no question about that but there's an argument to be made that with frank's defense that there's that they're closer in value than maybe their playing time splits have suggested and 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 there's also the point that you could play both of them together that like frank doesn't have to always be the lead guard that there'd still be value to getting him on the court in big minutes and big moments. um, Even if it is as an off guard.
1: Yeah. And uh, that's something else that, uh, that I was saying to you before is like, I wonder whether the Knicks are, you know, the reason that they're giving Moody the minutes is because, you know, they basically got him for nothing and maybe they're trying to move him. They're trying to move a guy like Vonlay just to, to get something. Um, because like we've tweeted from from the Talkin' Knicks account, he said early in the season that he stopped playing Dotson and Frank because it's not like the team was winning with them. They went 3-6 and six in their nine games. But with Moutier at the helm, like he's given him free reign to do whatever he wants, and the Knicks are 6-25, and 25, which is good for a less than 20% winning percentage, which is bad. But he's, he seems to be rolling with Moutier all the way
0: does sound bad, and I know Tom pointed this out maybe pre-pod. I don't know if he said it on the pod, but Moutier today, minus 21 in 18 minutes, Frank plus three in 30 minutes. So if Frank just played the whole game, we would have won, I think. That's
2: what that means. Plus minus is such a weird stat, though, because if you go back to that that game in London, you'll see Moutier – was uh, 11 of 18 from the field for 25 points and was a team worst minus 12 in plus minus Frank won a seven from the field, three points and was plus 11 and led the team in plus minus. You just, it's, it's hard to say Frank had, it was like a positive, but uh, you know, when he was on the court, good things happened. You don't know if that's a coincidence or luck or what it is, but you know, if it happens enough, then, then that pattern does mean something.
1: And I I will say um, I I've been a proponent that you know Frank's value doesn't show up in a box score just because his defense doesn't show up in a box score, and like I'm hoping that the Knicks have some analytics uh, analytics people who realize that Moutier is not a great defender, and you know maybe they need to give Frank uh, a couple more minutes. And I'll say that's the that is the one good thing about today's game about going down you know 25 early is that they just they let Frank play. So he played 30 minutes tonight, which is awesome. Uh, I'd like to see that a little more. And, and you know, he had the opportunity to show what he can do. And I think he, he had a positive impact on the game.
2: Yeah. In, in general on the season though, Frank has been one of the, the worst in terms of the net rating differential. So when, when Frank's on the court, the Knicks lose to opponents. They're, they're minus 9.7 per hundred possessions. When Frank's on the court, I'm sorry, when he's when he's on the court, they're minus nine point seven per hundred possessions. When he's off the court, they're minus five point six. So they're about they're about I, I may have done some bad math there, but Frank is the third worst on the team in net rating differential. That's behind Kevin Knox, who's the worst, and Tim Hardaway Jr. who's second worst. So it, it's on the whole, during the season, Frank has not been a plus on on the court.
1: Yeah, Tom. I only like advanced stats that they held my case, so Maybe shut up.
2: Well, I butchered that one anyway, so it, it didn't mean anything. Strong points by you both.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's – I feel like every week's tough as a Knicks fan. I, I don't know. It's, I feel like it's been pretty quick, but is there anything else we need to touch upon? It's, I feel like we've been going for
2: an hour. Is that not right?
0: It, it's, it always feels that way with the Knicks <laughs> these days.
1: I I want to keep talking about Frank. If Go that's for cool it. with you guys. would love to hear So it. Green today was was saying some things. Um, and I think, you know, in his presser uh before the game, Fizdale said a, a few things about Frank being a guy who, you know, is would be better on a better team. And like that's something that I've think I've been thinking about for a little while since I think Tom wrote a piece about um I think it was one of his three two one pieces with B ball index. Go check it out if you haven't. Uh, but he was saying how most of the Knicks are really bad at cutting and, you know, he pointed out, um, specifically Dotson as a guy who's good at cutting. And I wonder, you know, how much of that is due to the fact that the Knicks are just a team of ISO players. So if you're a guy who's going to cut and you're pretty sure that nothing's going to come of it because, you know, um, Isozo is going with his head down, and he's not going to see you anyways. Because there was a couple of possessions today. There was one in particular that I'm thinking of, where Frank was just wide open at three. They had completely left him, and I think it was Isozo was was driving, so he didn't even look at him. So when you have that going on, and you like you don't really have an offense, you just have a lot of Iso. I think that limits your capabilities, and f- like Frank's a guy his point guard skills is, is more of a, you know, within a team environment. And it, it's like we were saying with a pickup basketball game, if you go out there and play with a bunch of guys, you don't really know if you pass the ball, you're probably never going to see it again. And that, you know, can it start, a, start to affect your play? And that's how I feel about Frank is that, you know, it, what he'll do is he'll go up to the, go up the court and start the play. And then he looks like he's worried he's never going to see it again because whoever he's passing it to is just going to either chuck it or drive themselves. So I, I think I have to believe if the Knicks get better and they actually put together an offense, you know, he will improve exponentially because he's kind of a, a glue guy that plays within a – that seems to like he would play better within a team environment rather than this ISO situation on offense. Yeah, and I know
0: Fisdale has said that you got a bunch of people on expiring deals, so everyone's just doing them. Which what is, a crazy thing to say. Which is bad. It's a bad thing for a coach to say. Um, things are bad. So maybe maybe
1: that, that that's what you're talking about. So when you're the coach, maybe like get people to run an offense. I don't know. And if they don't run the offense, you don't play them, and then they can't play for themselves. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the coach. These are ideas. We'll see. We'll see if they implement them next game.
2: But also a lot of times like running an offense – would lead you to playing better and playing better would lead to a bigger contract. So, yeah, I mean, yep. I don't know if I buy that excuse so much from Fizdale, probably one of my least favorite
1: things he said all season. It's a vicious and, circle. And I think like, if you're playing on an unselfish team, this is the point I was originally trying to get to, but I kind of got a little verbose there. But if you're playing on a team that's unselfish, like, I think that you're more likely to to cut harder. You're more likely to you know set screens and try to get open and do whatever you can because you know that the ball is going to come to you if you're open and you're going to have a chance to do what you need to do. Whereas here, I, it feels like that's just not the case. It feels like if it goes to if it goes to Timmy, he's probably chucking. If it goes to Isozo, he's probably going iso. Um, if it goes down to down to Cantor, he's going up for the going uh, to post up like. Nothing else is going to happen, so there's no real real reason for you to exert energy on that end of the court anymore.
2: I mentioned a little bit on the on the next film school podcast, but I still love the way Hizonia cuts off ball. Like he just, I don't know if it, he just disregards the offense, maybe, or he just seems to find the little the little seams in the defense. And his timing is so good. Um, it's the only compliment I ever give Hizonia, but he is. Probably the best off-ball cutter. I know I mentioned Dotson. His thing is he just sprints so hard off screens, which is really important to uh, to shake up the defense a little bit. But um, Hazonia is just a he's a very smart cutter, and I was really hoping that that Frank, when he is off-ball, could learn a little something from him versus just standing in the corner. I watched a few plays where the the like set play was just a post up Noah Vonleh, and it was just. Literally four guys standing around the perimeter as Noah Vonleh went to work, which is one of the lowest efficiency, like just offensive possessions you could think of. But yeah. he actually he made it work a few times, but that does not work in the long term.
0: I know you've mentioned it before, but no Noah's post
1: moves are not the best. Yeah, no, they are bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a he's a bully. He gets down there and he'll just try to run you over, and sometimes. You know, he'll throw it up and it'll go in. Sometimes it won't, but it is what it is. And that's, I mean, that's just kind of how Hazonia plays. Is like he just has no conscience, Rather, whether it's shooting or cutting or whatever. Like for guys who are developing like a Knox, like a like a Frank Nilakina, like I think that they're scared of running into, you know, running into space, bringing a double team that, you know, might mess up whoever has the ball. So I think it's a development point and I think it's something that's just not, you know, taught enough to to most young players is is how to cut, how to set screens, how to run off of screens. And like these are all valuable things that that would be good for a coach who is supposed to be known for developing players taught his players how to do.
0: Well, wow, Fizdale's
1: taking a lot of heat on this
0: pod right now.
1: Yeah. Just, uh, I'm just upset about the whole Moody thing still.
2: I mean, I, I know I, I talked about it before, but on uh, on the Knicks Film School pod, I was on, guys. Uh, <laughs> Mackie, he asked me what my grade would be for Fizdale, and I gave him a C. And uh, I don't know. Do you guys think that was too generous?
0: I, I mean, I, it's tough to ahead. say because the Knicks are so bad. Like, how good would a good coach – at this team, I mean, but based on the record, you know, that he's doing a bad job. But we know that there's more to that, to it than that. Like the rotations, we strongly disagree with. We want to see more Frank. The Frank DNPCDs were collecting at one point. Those were very bad. Nobody wanted that. Maybe he was trying to send a message, but maybe... That message was not needed and we could just develop our player by actually putting him on the floor.
2: Well, just to play devil's advocate real quickly, there is a whole segment of Nick's Twitter who hates Frank. Uh, you have, <laughs> I'm sure you guys have seen this, but they think that anytime Frank does get <coughs> minutes, it's because he's being spoon-fed minutes and he hasn't earned them and that he doesn't he doesn't deserve them flat out that w- with his play. And that, you know, Fizdale's trying to instill this culture of earning your minutes. Um, and and maybe your answer to that is well, then they're just undervaluing Frank's defense. Maybe that's the maybe that's
0: it. But uh, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe he that. is being spoon fed minutes, and but that's what he needs
1: to develop. Like who who on this team, this ten and thirty five team is like firmly earned their minutes. Tim Hardaway Jr. has been playing terrible for most of the season. Emmanuel Mudiay can't guard anyone. Like. Kevin Knox has been good scoring the basketball, but hasn't been able to play defense and, you know, has been pretty inefficient shooting the ball. So like, I don't, I don't understand the argument that Frank doesn't deserve minutes based off of, you know, him, what he, he's has occasionally been unable to do on the offensive end and what he has in small spurts been able to do on the offensive end. So like, if Frank, Frank win those two games where he put up, you know, 16 points one game, 17 points the next game or something like that, and then he had, like, two bad games and people were, were ready to bench him, and it's like, that's not how this works. Like, it it, it takes time to develop players, so you, you just got to give them some freedom. And what are they playing for right now that you're, you're that worried about Frank going, you know, one for seven in a game?
0: NBA championship.
1: It's true.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't. So, what was what was your
1: grade for fist then, Ken? Based on that, I mean, I I think a C is. So wh- while I was listening to the to to Tom um talking around uh Nick's film school, I was thinking like the obvious answer is an incomplete because his team is incomplete right now. They have no idea what they're uh, what they're going to look like next year, um, and they don't have their their best player in in Chris this year. Um, but as far as like Judging what he has done this year, I think yeah, maybe probably a C. I'm I'm happy with a couple of things he's doing. Potentially, you know, giving Enos Cantor less minutes, um, having guys like Courtney Lee and Lance Thomas on the bench so that they can give other guys more minutes. I'm less happy with other things like the Moutier thing. Just bothers me. Like he just gets too many minutes. I and I was a Moutier fan or a Moutier defender from from the beginning when everyone was talking about cut, cutting him and keeping Ron Baker, I said, don't do that. Like, he's still a solid player, and I think he's a solid player, but I just don't think that he has earned the, the leash that he has gotten. Like, I, I think he's a valuable NBA player. I don't think that he is the the uh, a starting point guard in this league.
0: That's that's a fair point. I guess i give him a C as well, Tom, I think. Because, I mean, F – too far. eh? certainly not. <laughs> uh, so, you know, C is, C is right. All right, as long as you, I have your guys' support, that's really all I need.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, is there anything else we need to touch on? <laughs> we got, uh, we got <laughs> any games this week? There's three games this week, uh, not including today's game, which already happened. The Houston Rockets, James Harden, the Brooklyn Nets, fun. the Brooklyn Nets who are hot right now and the Miami Heat, who are doing well for themselves. They're in the playoff picture again. And before you give me your predictions for those three games, the Knicks are currently on a six-game losing streak, and they are 2-19 and 19 in their last 21 games. So what do you guys think about the next three games?
1: Undefeated. 3 that's a strong guess. No, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take uh, one and two. I think we're gonna beat Brooklyn because uh, uh, Nets Daily has been talking trash to us. So
0: it's very, very optimistic. Optimistic. Might as well. <clears throat> it's, it's tough when predicting one and two is very optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tom, what, what do you got for me?
2: I'm also going to go glass half full here and say one and two. Um, <laughs> I was so someone from Nets Republic reached out to me this weekend and asked if I would uh, write a, a few things about this upcoming matchup. And he asked me to make a prediction. And I said I, I thought that the Knicks would win this one, tie the season series. Um, that the Nets came into MSG last time and, and took one on the Knicks home court. And I thought that the Knicks were, I think they take a lot of pride in this crosstown rivalry or maybe they don't maybe they don't even think about it but uh maybe that's even more of mm. a of a slap in the face but at the very least i, I think that they will go in to brooklyn where where they will probably be more knicks fans than nets fans and uh and take care of business and and finish the week a legitimate one and two and hang and hold their head high
0: all right so <clears throat> I'm going to abstain from making a making a prediction. Smart. Just, just because I don't want to say 0-3. Um, hey, Greg, let me – So I'm <laughs> going to yeah. get – I got another question for you guys, though. I hope yeah. it's the same question I was about to ask. Go. How many points is James Harden scoring? That's what I was going to ask. I knew it. Uh,
1: so let's get that I'm prediction.
0: Gonna... He has scored 58-57 and 48 in his last three games. No, 58,
1: 57. How many 50, hits yeah, has... and... yeah. yeah. he scored in his last few games against the Knicks? Do we have that information? No. <laughs> no, <laughs>
2: right. there would be, be no way of knowing that. I mean, we could look it up on basketball reference, but I won't. Uh, I will say so it's going to be a, a Wednesday night game. Matt MSG. The lights are on. The celebs are out. Um, yeah, I think he'll probably put up 73.
1: <laughs> is that what uh is that what David Robinson put up to win the the uh, scoring championship? It is something like that.
0: I mean, so James Harden is averaging 35.7 this year. So on an average game he would have 35.7
1: points. So I'm trying to remember if it was James Harden, but didn't he have two ridiculous triple-doubles against the Knicks that were like 50-point yes. triple-doubles? Yes, he definitely okay. had a 50-point uh, triple-double against the Knicks last year. <clears okay, <clears <throat> so that's that's what I was looking for, trying to figure out. Um, I think I think his career high is 56 in scoring, so I'm going to go for 57. I think he's going to put, put up 57.
0: I don't know if you were listening, but I told you his last three games he's had 58, 57, 59. and 40, 48. 59, sorry. I'm looking at some
1: old information.
0: All right. Yeah, and in his last game, the Vegas over-under on his points was 41, which was a a record. So I'm going to use that 41 as an over-under. I'm going to take the over. This next team is not good at defense, so I think we're looking at another 48 or –
2: I think I, I undersold new- him at seventy three. I might. I almost upped it just now, but I'm going to show some restraint. Um, no, I, I do think he'll get he'll get into the sixties though. I think sixty one is a uh, is reasonable. <laughs> who who's going to guard so,
1: it? Who's going to guard so, it? Frank, Uh <laughs> uh, So I I typed in to Google James Harden career high, and that's where I came up with that 56 number. But now I'm seeing he had, like, a 60-point game against the Magic last year, so I don't even know. But whatever his career high is, his new career high is going to be tomorrow. Double, double it. Double yeah. it. Take it double it.
0: All right. Well, I think that's all we got for today. Let's go Knicks. Um, you Listen, can- subscribe, rate us, five-star reviews. Read Tom's articles. Read Tom's articles. You read through the B-Ball index, and he tweets from his account at, at Tom Piccolo, maybe? I, I, think,
2: I think it's Tom underscore Piccolo. I don't tweet a ton, but I'm getting a little more into it lately. I mean, you um, tweet out the articles. I, I definitely tweet out the articles. Very self-promotional account.
0: And that's what it's about these days. All right, I think that's all we got for you. Let's go Knicks. Uh, also, just, uh, just
1: tweet at Jake and let him know that he sucks. All right, let's go next. Next tape.